Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, January 25th. And boy, we're really in it now, huh, John? The doldrums, the grind of a regular season Big Ten schedule are very much upon us. I'm so annoyed at Purdue because <laughs> they they alone are being middle of the road Purdue away from one of the greatest Big Ten championship chases of all time, where there would be like 12 teams competing for the championship with a top record of 12 and 8. Like that that is what would have been on the line. But no, they allegedly are allegedly good they're ranked number one and Mm -hmm. i'm just so out i am just so out on that but no season in any sport either collegiate sport has ever taught us no one is good like Mm. this year is teaching us no one is good because truly if that purdue team is the best team in the country which it which it appears to be very much in the conversation just based on the college basketball i've watched yet they're objectively they're number one but they're also objectively not that good well and like i would not put them in the category of good no and you look around and you're like okay so houston and they're like yeah we we could be good and then they lose at home to temp like what are you doing and then you look around you're like okay is it alabama and MSU played Alabama, and did that look like the number one team in the country? And I know it was early season, but come on. No way. Uh, The funny part is, is that somebody allegedly has to win it all this year. And it's going to be one of the worst national champions of all time. When they do those best national champions list, they might just say, let's Let's keep out the 2023 guys. That was like an intramural chip. Yeah, this is like one of two things is going to happen. Either some extremely random team is going to win, which I'm all for. Love it. Just for the record. Would love, love, love to see that. Or it's going to be one of those where Arizona or Kansas or UCLA, these blue blood programs that that are sitting at the bottom of the top 10 right now, find a way to do it and then it'll be one of those seasons you look back at and you're like 
comparing all the all-time Kansas teams. And you're like, this is maybe the 25th yeah. best Kansas Brutal. team ever, and they won a national championship. It's so true. I mean, in the back of my head, I kept thinking all season, this would be the year where Gonzaga would win it all. Like, mm. They are not good, but they Maybe. finally break through in the year where they're not even up to their own standards of, of good. Um, I don't know. A lot, there is a lot of fun basketball. We have, I think maybe we got to break out the teams we don't want to play list, mm. but that, but we will only do that if we feel comfortable about Michigan State's NCAA tournament uh, situation, which at the time, right now, I'm not comfortable, not uncomfortable, but this yeah. uh, past week didn't move us in any specific direction. Uh, losing, or excuse me, beating Rutgers at home and then losing on the road at Indiana. In my head, you did what was expected in both of those games, unfortunately. Uh, but let's start with the Rutgers game. A 70-57 to 57 win over um, one of the best, if not the best defensive teams Mich- uh, Michigan State has played this year. Uh, everyone got really excited about this one. I think there are a lot of people really nervous about this game. And I just want to set the stage for you here. Um, it's Rutgers. And and I'm so sorry, but like as a program taking a 30,000 put. See, John's dog is even upset that, that people are getting excited about Rutgers. Um, to build on the point before he returns that I know he was going to make. You back? Oh yeah, we had a we had a little. Our mail. top-notch production value continues. We had a mailman situation here while he wanted to get on the board. Oh, he was man. pretty upset about the Rutgers situation too because our fan base got a little too uh, nervous about Rutgers, and and I and I will talk down about Rutgers. I don't care that they are plucky, that they're frisky. I think uh, Pickle's got them in the exact right direction, and I think they would be right to keep into a, like a lifetime contract, but he's going to get plucked yeah. soon because he knows how to create a really nice defense. What I'm getting at is Rutgers has never beaten Michigan state in East Lansing. And until they do, I just can't take them very seriously. I just can't do it. Can't have your best player, Cam Spencer, a transfer from uh, Loyola, Maryland. Can't have it. Not for me. So, I just you be, you did what you should do. You beat them, you know, seventy to fifty-seven. Um, a good win, a win you should expect to do as a Michigan State program team because you are top to bottom better um, from a talent perspective. Austin, uh, Wally, and I can see the floor to you for your takes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this one, and unfortunately, I, as it stands right now, this is probably Michigan State's. I don't know, second, third best win of the season. So on one hand, right? I mean, it's because Kentucky is a complete mess. It's probably, I mean, it's it's definitely the win at Wisconsin has got to be their best win of the year. And after that, it's a bunch of midness. Well, it's tough because, you know, they're going to argue, you should all argue that they were without their best player. You know, and and you could say, well, Michigan State was missing, you know, as well. At the end of the day, there's always going to be injuries, I suppose. But, um, you know, the best win probably right now, 
you know, at Penn State, will they make the tournament? That's in question. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. you know, yes, it's Rutgers, and I completely and totally agree with you from a program perspective. Like, this is what you should expect to do. I don't care if Rutgers is number one in the country, which, if it ever happens, we'll, I don't even know. I'm just getting <laughs> hammered drunk before that game. Um, but, I, yeah, like, this is what you're supposed to do. So, on one hand, yes. On the other hand, this is also one of Michigan State's best wins and probably one that will look good, you know, come selection Sunday when I think Michigan State is going to maybe not need help, but help separating maybe. at the very least. Yep. Uh, but I also, you know, you look at the Big Ten and it is it is hysterical, like top to bottom. MSU sitting here at five and four in the conference and they're half a game behind half a game out of second place. I mean, Purdue's going to run away with this, but the rest of this is really like couldn't be more mid. I mean, Michigan's sitting here at 11 and eight, and yet they're tied for second place in the conference at five and three. They're probably not going to make the tournament. And yet there they are. So really weird conference going on this year. Um, in terms of this game specifically, I mean, the Jackson Kohler State. Uh, I mean, <laughs> listen, Jackson Kohler erupted in this one 12 points 11 rebounds me, three block three Cook. blocks i'm gonna t- say that this is the first time all season in my mind that he has looked like a college basketball player mm-hmm. and it was it was quite a way to to erupt on the scene and quite honestly michigan state needed it maddie sissoko didn't do much of anything uh, only played 16 minutes in this one mostly because kohler you know did uh really play so well. He did so without fouling. Uh, he only had one foul in the game. But, yeah, he, he he did a great job. This is a really balanced effort, though. Um, not an overly efficient effort. Hogard, Walker, and Aikens all shooting, um, you know, at best four for ten. Uh, this is a nice game from Joey, though, with 13 points. Made three out of his four. Uh, Three-point attempts. I really think MSU just kind of benefited from Rutgers having a terrible night. Now, part of that is just because they're, Michigan State is a pretty decent defensive team. But, I mean, Spencer goes one of eight from three. Omar Rui only makes five of his 13 attempts. Um, McConnell, the point guard, goes four of 11. They have they brought uh, Andre Hyatt off the bench, a 6'6 junior, and he goes 0 for 7 from the field. I mean – Rutgers just had a very Rutgers night, two of 17 from deep. So um, all in all, just kind of what you'd expect to see out of Michigan State teams against Rutgers for the most part. And uh, a good bounce back after two lead at Illinois and then what probably should have been a home win against, at the time, number three, Purdue. Yeah. I mean, Coda Wooda, um, they're behind you, and you're up nine on the road at Illinois, tanked it. Up one against yep. Purdue at home with 10 seconds left. You're right there. You know you can do it. You know you can play with the alleged best teams in the country when you are um, full strength. You just got to prove. You got to. This is what bothers me. <clears throat> it it shouldn't take getting punched in the mouth, and that's what happened at Indiana. Uh, quickly note. Uh, this will carry over from the Rutgers to. Indiana game. Jay Nakins um, defensively is being asked to guard the best player uh, guard and wing on the other team, and he's doing a pretty nice job. You know, he was a big reason for Cam Spencer being a mess. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard when you're asking Jaden Nakins to do both 
be a defensive menace and needing to contribute double digits on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if he's there yet. If that's a thing you can ask of him. I in the I do know he's not there yet. It's not um his fault. I think that's where you're missing a guy like a full roster, not just Malik Hall, just a full roster where you don't have to ask guys to do multiple things. You're asking guys to do one thing really well. You're asking, you know, Maddie Sissoko, just focus on rebounding. Just focus on re- Just rebound the ball. Pop the ball. Don't worry about anything else. You know, AJ, run the offense. Get to the bucket. Everyone, we all know what everyone's good at. We all know what they're all very bad at. And if they're all <laughs> capable of playing and doing the thing they're really good at, they've proven to be a decent team and even a nice team. Um, so we carry it over to at Indiana and it was nice to see Michigan state, um, hang in a tough environment, but here's what really bothered me about this. I don't know if it bothered you. I don't think we've talked about this. There were multiple lapses from a specific player and I, and I hate picking on people, but when you are the leader when you are the point guard in a Tom Izzo program, one that has gone to 24 straight NCAA tournaments, if you want to do anything, if you want to actually win games, if you want to make the tournament and win games in the tournament, you don't get to take plays off. You do not get to have mental lapses. And we saw it happen, unfortunately. And I can remember specific instances, and I would encourage people to fast forward if you're easily triggered. But, he, he, you know, what, what happened on what, for the first was there was a collapse on Trace ja, J, uh, Jackson Davis, which is what you wanted. He kicks it out, and then everyone is supposed to rotate accordingly. And the guy that collapsed on the ball is going to go the opposite side of the court to take away the last swing pass. So everyone's moving over one. AJ, did, AJ just didn't do it. Just didn't even go over one. Can, the uh, Indiana cans an open three. And you're like, okay, that was bad. Let's make sure to never do that again. Well, that's worth three points. He followed a 9% three-point shooter. No reason to do that. A 9% three-point shooter, which was, which was one of the reasons he got two fouls and was auto-benched. That's on you, AJ. You followed a guy who can't shoot, and now he got two points out of it. That's five points right there. And then he missed both free throws on, on a, a trip. Missing one's fine. Missing two, it's a mental lapse. So right there, that's seven points out of the gate. And it's not all on one player. But when that's your point guard, the leader, the vocal, it's the it's a road game at Indiana. And here's what and you know, I'll pass it back to you here. But here's what really bummed me out is after the game being asked about how chippy and physical it got, Michigan State was kind of shocked that Indiana was punking them and because they hadn't really had bad blood or beef. Guess what? That's how it works in this league. And if you need to get a lesson, that's too bad. Because in this league, it's Michigan State's league. So if you're shocked, that you go into an away environment and people are coming at you and pushing and punching and biting and fighting, you 
just for being you. I don't know what to tell you. The target's on your back. It always will be. And and to be shocked by that shows me another mental lapse. You got to come out and be the aggressor. And because everyone's gunning for you. And that was really a bummer thing to realize because in the past, I don't feel like you had to beg people to be the aggressor. But maybe maybe I'm just wish that's that's revisionist history. Maybe that's wishful thinking. And and maybe this was the punch in the in the arm that the team needed. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of points. Um, the criticism of Jay, AJ is warranted. I mean, he did not have a good game in, in this one. Didn't do really all that much impactful. Uh, kind of kind of throughout the game. Um, and if he's going to be the leader in the face, which I think we see part of the frustration is we see flashes of that from him. And when you do, typically the team benefits by and large from that. But we did not get that in this game. The only thing I'll say to this team's defense is that they they were looking tired. They've been playing yep. a lot of games in a very short period of time, such as life in the Big Ten, especially in a year like this where, you know, it's a pretty level playing field, uh, all things considered. This is going to catch up to you at some point. And when you're a flawed roster like Michigan State, it's going to catch up to you. So it, slightly in that in their defense, I will say that. But the flip side of it, the point about leadership and the point about being surprised that you're getting punched in the mouth, that kind of harkens back, honestly, to like last year's stuff, where you just sense this like sort of aloof, like not locked in mentality from this team. And while I think the main perpetrators of that in Gabe Brown and Mark Spingham are no longer there, you still feel like that's kind of hanging over this program a little bit. And I, it's so frustrating because it flies in the face of everything that Tom Izzo has built at Michigan State. Like you said, it's his league. It's MSU's league for a reason because they are the ones that bring that grit, that bring that fight, that execute well, that defend, that hustle, that dive, that get out and run, that play these impossible schedules. Like that's who they are. It's who they've always been. It's the identity of the program. And yet, especially over the last two years, you just don't, honestly, since Aaron Henry left, that, mm-hmm. say what you want about Aaron Henry's final year and how awful that was to watch. He, he at least he was brought dog. a men- he was a dog. He brought a mentality of I am going to literally will this team to yep. the NCAA tournament, and that is exactly what he did. And since he left, mm-hmm. it feels like there's no big bad bully on the roster to help whip some of these guys into shape. And again, look at the five guys that start, like yep. Tyson Walker. Tons of credit to him. He's a transfer. I know it's his second year, but he's. He's not the he's clearly not like a super vocal dude. Hogard should be that guy. Akins is not that guy. Sissoko's super emotional, but like not a not a leader. And his leaders are always guards. And then Joey Hauser is a very reserved guy. And then anybody that's coming off the bench. I mean, right now it's a it's basically all. I mean, think about the four players, the five players that came off the bench against Indiana are Jackson Kohler, freshman, looks like he's six years old. Mm-hmm. Carson Cooper, freshman. Is literally the third string center. Trey Holloman is freshman. probably the fourth ball handler, freshman. Pierre Brooks, for all intents and purposes, a freshman. And then Jason Wittens, who is, again, credit to him for getting in there and, and getting a rebound in this one minute, but not going to be a leader. So there's this leadership void 
on this team. And it, there's a very obvious candidate to fill it, and it's A.J. Hogard. And what we haven't seen from him is the night in, night out ability to do that. And he's not a freshman. He's not a sophomore. This is a junior who has played a lot of basketball. And the only way for Michigan State to fulfill what potential they have this year is for him to take that mantle. And games like this in late January in a competitive league are the opportunity to do that on tired legs. Go in, bounce back, you know, or keep keep a win streak going, I should say, and win a tough game in a tough road environment. It, it's not for a lack of trying overall, but like they just let themselves get kind of beat. They look tired. It feels like this is a story that happens at Indiana a lot, quite honestly, for Michigan State. But um, yeah, frust- frustrating stuff. Now, what shouldn't surprise people and what I feel like, John, we hear a lot recently, it's kind of a yearly thing, is, oh, why is Michigan State, you know, they've lost three out of their last four. They've, you know, they're, oh, man, are they going to pull it together? Are they going to make the tournament? I hate hearing that from fans. And and I think you feel specifically uh, pointed about this point that people seem to be like, you know, surprised or disappointed that that this is happening to a Michigan State program at this point in the season. Um, I don't know. I'm not surprised. Are you? <clears throat> Comes with the territory. If you're new to this, uh, I, would, I would encourage you to take tonight and just take a peek back at the schedules of the last 20 seasons. And <laughs> it's just how it works. It's a January lull. You... There are a lot of reasons for it. Um, you've got big games that happen at the beginning of the year. Freshmen that uh, played in those big games and are now getting comfortable in their minutes in regular games, which leads to wonky lineups sometimes on purpose from Izzo, by the way. You know, there's there's reasons he, you'll see the wonky lineups to see how they, they handle it um, <clears throat> because – when push comes to shove in games that really matter, sometimes the wonky lineups happen outside of your control, you know? So it's, it's good to get different opportunities and groups out there. You want to win every game, but, but at the end of the day, you do also need to see how things mesh together because plan a, your first plan rarely does it execute to perfection all the way to the end of the game, especially in the tournament. So you got to be at least tried and true on, a lot of different scenarios that take place. Also, you mentioned the the fatigue factor. No, November fatigue carries over. It does. And and then when you play six games in 16 days, that's going to affect you too. It's not an excuse, it's just reality. The, the, the team's not talented enough to overcome any type of, you know. Uh... Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical amount of games in that short of time fortunately the big Ten's not that great this year we've talked about it <clears throat> michigan state is one of the teams that's in in 
similar to about eight other ones. And so you'd like to think the difference, though, that changes in February is that Michigan State teams do know how to win and can find a different gear. And that's why Izzo's a Hall of Famer, is he's going to get out of them what maybe an average coach at a different university hasn't learned yet or doesn't know how to do or maybe never learns how to do. So I'm not worried about where they're going because I think you can see the offense has actually been pretty good. The defense has not been great of late. Um, but the execution versus Purdue defensively was what they wanted to do. They're doing what you want, you that what the coaches want to happen. It just um, didn't hit shots um, in, in, in the Indiana game. And uh, prior to that, I believe it was the first time they didn't miss, make a three in a game when they were at Illinois, a game that they were up nine. That's that's to me an anomaly, especially for a team that shoots as well as it does from three. So not excuses, just realities. So that said, you can drop these next two games versus Iowa at, and at Purdue, and and then that's a different switch of worry. My my point is, I don't know if we've seen that in the past um, to warrant the worry yet. On the flip side of that is that Michigan State can punch their NCAA tournament ticket. They're 25th straight by the end of the weekend. That's on the table, too. But first thing, you know, with the game home against Iowa and then at Purdue. But um, before we get into those previews, uh, any other thoughts? Yeah, I think if you want to be frustrated with something, it shouldn't be that Michigan State's losing these games necessarily. Like, to your point, John, they're executing for the most part on what the coaches want to do. And quite honestly, I don't, yes, you're frustrated by AJ Hogard not stepping up and taking this lead role. But, but this team is basically performing to, I don't know, kind of like the max of its capability, maybe not the max, mm-hmm. but like not that far from the top of what they have available to them. Look up and down the roster. Again, I just listed the f- five players that came off the bench at Indiana. Like, and then you add those more. are not players that should be playing sure. minutes. They shouldn't. They're playing entirely too many, top to bottom, just for not necessarily for the caliber, but for like, it, it, it's not to disparage these guys, but you shouldn't be expecting, put it this way Brooks, Kohler, Cooper, and Holloman are what I think you and I would call four-year players, right? Guys that are really going to ripen on the vine and be really good, solid contributors by years three and four, much Mm -hmm. like an A.J. Hogard, for example, an Aaron Henry even to maybe a lesser degree. He was more of an impact as a freshman. But like those types of guys are not the ones that you want to be throwing in for 18 minutes on the road in Indiana, like Jackson Kohler was, despite how good he was the game before. Like, you do not want to be putting them in these pressure situations. Even Trey Holloman, like you don't want to be having him play 13 minutes in these types of tough games. They, this roster is playing the hand that it's dealt. And if you want to get frustrated, and I've said it before, you should get frustrated with the man who put this roster together, and that is Tom Izzo. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, he's lost his touch. Oh, he's, you know, get him out of here. Anything like that. But if you 
there is one man that's responsible at the end of the day for deciding how to allocate scholarships, which recruits to try and go chase, assess the strengths and weaknesses of a run given of a roster given going into any single year. And he did that here. And what he left himself with was a thin bench, a team that cannot survive if they're if there's one key injury like we've seen with Malik Hall. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge development. Him being out basically the whole year has kneecapped this team. That is, again, not good. Malik Hall, another one of those four-year players, meaning he's not going one and done to the NBA. He's a great contributor. We've seen what he's done for this roster. But if he is the thing that's derailing everything, that is not good. That is not the sign of a healthy roster. So if you want to get frustrated, get frustrated now with the players. Get frustrated with the coaches. and hope that they can and i think we've seen that they will remedy things moving forward i think there's an opportunity to do it we have seen this team play really well not really well that's an overstatement we've seen seen this team play decent basketball when they are all healthy and humming now I think what you what the most important thing here is to make sure that that can happen in March, February and, and leading up to March, right? And that's where you're going to see probably a conservative approach to getting Malik Hall back because of his foot injury. When you have the, I think what I have as a positive is between Hauser, Walker, Hogard, Sissoko, Akins, and Hall, you feel pretty good about that group not great mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to walk onto most courts and have the best player in fact most of the games they play that's going to be the case they will not have the best player on the floor moving forward but they might they're going to have the better rotation and i and that's going to have to win the game and so when they get that rotation back i think it will round into form nicely i think you will see if you can be patient uh, a February run coming, but but like we talked about, there's a couple games to go before um, something like that can happen. And and if they're if they get lucky, the ticket could be punched before that run. But but as we said, first things first, um, game uh, at or excuse me, home versus Iowa. Um, yeah, to quickly build on your point there, really yeah. really quickly. That team you mentioned, that core group of guys, if all healthy and humming and coached really well, can win a lot of games. Yep. They can be, a, I think, one of the top few teams within your conference. But yep. two things you have to ask yourself. One is what could you add to that really easily that mm-hmm. could raise the floor? Uh and the answer to that, I think, is a guy like Julius Marble. I'm probably going to get roasted because he was not great last year. But guess what? If you can keep him around for another year, his senior year, instead of letting him go to Texas A&M and average double-figure scoring and almost five rebounds a game, you don't have to play Carson Cooper those minutes. And you don't have to play Jackson Kohler those minutes. And you instead of having to make play even smaller at the four or play Joey Hauser 35 minutes a game, Get weird with your rotation. Play two bigs at the same time. And you just you give yourself so much more room. So when I talk about little roster tweaks, that's the type of stuff that's really 
frustrating because that seemingly should be a pretty you didn't even have to go get somebody new you just had to not lose somebody for that to be the case <laughs> so there's that and then the second thing is are you as a program and as a fan base and as a team happy with that are you happy with being one of the better teams in the conference or are you going to hold yourself to the standard that you've created over the past nearly 30 years as a head coach which is to compete for a championship in your conference and compete to go deep in March every single year because you are the only thing keeping yourself and not they're not necessarily keeping themselves from that they could still make a run to the sweet 16 and do something weird we've seen it before I'm sure it'll happen again eventually hopefully we won't need it to happen again but it could hopefully that'll just be the expectation mm-hmm. um, but you hamstrung yourself for no good reason right now these games that you're losing blowing a late lead at home against Purdue dropping a nine-point lead on the road against Illinois and more or less no showing in the second half against Indiana those outcomes are driven by these decisions that have been made so i'm probably done rehashing the past after this episode because i feel like we've really gotten it out of our systems there's no point <laughs> anymore but that's why we are where we are in an honest you know reading of the cards john well, no that's that's should we move forward yeah we should because um there there's there everyone keeps pointing to you know the the talent will come next year, and we'll get to that, right? Um, but but nothing's guaranteed. This year still has to happen. You know, <laughs> who knows what happens with the roster? Who who knows? There's there's a million, you know, variables. So so to just assume things will all just be the same next year with an influx of talent that that we all hope will happen. I think that's you got to get there first, and 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 for the team to be competitive you know, to the standard that you, Tom Izzo and the fan base think they can be and should be. Um, a lot of the guys on this roster got to get a lot better at those mm-hmm. those one thing that they're, they're right now good at. They got to become great at. Um, one thing that I think A.J. Hogart is good at and will have to continue to get even better at is, especially against a, a guard-heavy Iowa team, is getting fouled. You know, one thing that Michigan State has not done a great job this year is get fouled. And that's a skill. And when I say get fouled, forcing uh, the referee to, to get involved and and forcing them um, to, to blow the whistle, going to initiate contact in the lane with the ball offensively. Um, one of the reasons you're start, you see such dominant performances over and over from the from the center on the other team not necessarily all because maddie and carson cooper uh aren't playing decent defense i think jackson kohler is unfortunately not playing decent defense but it's because they have they are never in foul trouble and the reason that our defense the the opposing team centers are never in foul trouble is because referees are not in any way needing to call fouls on them because we have no post presence on offense. We rarely run the offense on the block uh, through anyone but A.J. Hogarth and, and occasionally Malik Hall. And so um, 
the other team's rotation is exactly what they want it to be every game. And so when you have that, well, the opposing team centers are going to keep going back to the well and and they're going to get what they get on offense and they never have to sit because of foul trouble on the defensive end. So this team's going to have to either figure out how to get better at getting fouled um, or you're going to probably continue to see more of the same. Iowa's uh, best player, uh, one of their best players, Philip Rebraca, uh, a, a smaller center than um, the ones Michigan State has been used to going up against recently, um, I don't think is going to be nearly as, as dominant as we talked about, a, a guard-heavy, want-to-get-up-and-down type of play. This is a game that I don't want to call it a, a must-win, but it feels very winnable. And between Rebraca, Chris Murray, McCaffrey, and Perkins, they have a nice team. But I'd like to think that Michigan State's, as we talked about, the, the seven guys that we talked about, our Michigan State's top seven is better than their top seven. It just is. So this is one you got to feel, like I said, not a must win, but one that's going to be more winnable than a lot of the others on the schedule. And, and one where – um, if Michigan State continues to play and execute and just make the average amount of shots that they have been making through the season, you feel pretty good about the opportunity here. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a team that's, you know, somehow Iowa manages to just get one super standout player, it feels like, all the time <laughs> recently. Last year, it was uh, Keegan Murray, and then yep. it was obviously Luca Garza before that. And now, apparently, uh, Chris spent some time with his brother at the gym, which smart move on his part. Sure. Because um, he's already carving it's, up the NBA. But it's literally a poor man's <laughs> Murray. Yeah. Just like Jordan Davis is kind of a poor man's Johnny Davis. It's it's just it's. right, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, I well, the thing is with this, I, I completely agree with. Despite the recent kind of hot streak that I was on, that this is a game. That's a game Michigan State should win. Let's. I, I don't think we need to beat around the bush. I mean, I look at, I look at Iowa, and really since the turn of the, that eh, really since it turned into December. Um, they did have a nice win against Iowa State, that's for sure. Yeah. But I look at their losses since then, and it's lost Wisconsin, no shame there. But then it's home against Eastern Illinois. They, they were Nebraska. They lost by they lost by sixteen yeah. in Nebraska, and they lost at home like at Penn State. Again, I don't know that Penn State is necessarily like obviously not as bad as they once were, but like that's not a great loss. And then their wins, you know. They beat Indiana. They won at Rutgers, which is a nice win. They beat Michigan in overtime. I don't think Michigan's much of a team. And then, they, you know, they just did beat Maryland and then turned around and got waxed by Ohio State. So, again, this is the Big Ten this year. So, it's like yep. super all over the place. I don't think anybody's really distinctly better than anyone else. Kind of Purdue, honestly, pretty much included in that, despite where they stand right now. Um, and this is a home game. This is a home game against a team that you, I think, are at least as good, if not better, than um, and you should you should win this game. I think you know it's funny. I've been you and I have been talking about it. It feels like I, I've been waiting for this team to get my attention and mm-hmm. to like give me a reason to be like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna get more bullish on where this could go. And they almost had me 
Actually, they did have me after winning on the road. It was, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. You have a chance to really win me over and get me super, super bullish. If you can win at Illinois, they blew that one. And then I was like, okay, that's all right. That's a, that's a tough road game against a good program. Come home and beat Purdue. Now I'm all the way in. Blow that one. Was Rutgers nice win? Indiana. I'm not. I'm, it didn't move me. This Iowa game. It's also, it's not one of those that's going to get me feeling bullish again. But it is one of those that would make me feel like okay, we at least know where the floor is. This is a game you should, much like Rutgers, in my opinion, you should win at home. Yeah. At the end of the day, look. This is a jersey check. Look down at your jersey. They're going to look down at theirs. Grow up. Like this is a home game against Iowa basketball. Grow up. And and that's if you want to be serious, if you want to go to the NCAA tournament, you win games like this. It's that it's it's quite literally that simple. And then you put yourself in a position to punch a ticket at Purdue. That if you don't, now you're looking at an, oh, an ugly hole. You know, losing at home to Iowa and then needing to play at Purdue, a program that you haven't won. Um, in Mackey since Adrian Payne was a senior. Man. You've lost to that pro. <clears throat> you could make an argument. It's Purdue's league. Mm-hmm. Of late. You know, they, 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 especially against Michigan State, they've won six of the last seven against the Spartans and five straight at home versus Michigan State. Wow. <clears throat> so they, they, they are Matt Painter. <clears throat> Can't, can't win when, when it matters, but he does have a stranglehold on this Big Ten right now. Um, yeah. it's, it's reality. Uh, but that, so, is, that, that first part is why it, the, it is perceived as yeah. still as Michigan State's. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, we can talk about Purdue as much as we want, but the game plan worked to perfection last time. This time around, I think you, you – I don't know how realistic it is going to be for Purdue to shoot um, – I don't want to say as poorly because it, it wasn't awful, I don't think. They were four for ten from three. Um, but but they gave – I think it was Ethan Morton every shot he wanted. Yeah, he went 0 for 7, 0 for 3 from three. And that was the game plan. They're going to do that again. I don't know if he goes over again. I, I don't think he does. Um, this is a game where you're going to need somebody uh, like Joey Hauser to do something special. And I want to do a quick note about Joey. I saw something out of him uh, in in the Indiana game. R.I.P. He got he got dunked on, dude. First, and I feel bad about that. That was he got yammed on. He shouldn't have jumped. That's our only rule, man. So, right. I mean, come on. But Follow the rules. I will say, I saw a fire out of him that I had never seen. And uh, I, I bring that up because sometimes you see that out of a senior. And once it, the, the year turns and it, you start to look at the calendar and you start to realize how many games you have left in your career. And, mm-hmm. and a new gear is found. I saw out of Joey a little more. I just saw emotion. I'd never seen any. So I, I just... I'm just going to put that on the board here to keep an eye out because I have, I think this could become, I think he could really take on new gear on. He's one of the guys that needs to take it to his 
next level if this team's going to do anything. He and AJ are it. But I think he's the one that that can really find a new gear. We saw him when they run stuff for him and he's in that little zone and he gets locked in. It's trouble for the other team. I think um, Purdue is the type of team that he can feel comfortable doing that against because they're not overly athletic. And that's what frustrates him. So if there's ever an opportunity for him to get going, it's going to be to rack up some points against Iowa, who's happy to give him up, by the way. And then a little, uh, hopefully, confidence booster heading into uh, the house of horrors that is Mackey Arena. Um, but it's the doldrums of January, man, like we talked about. Uh, it's, it's, part of the pro- it's, it's part of the process, and it's what makes March so fun. Hopefully, um, man, it'd be nice to punch a ticket this week, but, but a long way to go. Yeah, and Purdue makes me a little bit nervous. I'll be honest. I, well, yeah, road game against the number one team in the country makes you nervous. That's genius right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is shaping up. It's a game where Izzo's going to need to to have an A-plus effort, really. Yep. Um, I think one thing you that we've noticed about Matt Painter uh, kind of throughout the course of his career is that he doesn't adjust. Like no. just really doesn't like they kind of play their game and, and that's it. And that's fine. That's a, that's a, that's a mentality. That's won a lot of teams, a lot of games, but uh, Izzo is kind of the king of adjusting and, and changing things on the fly. And I think, you know, uh, that'll be kind of the deciding factor in this game because you can't expect, like mm-hmm. you said, I don't think we can expect Tyson Walker to throw up another 30 spot. You hit it on the uh, head. And I, you hit it on the head. Purdue doesn't have to adjust, and and they and they will win more games than they lose, and then they get to March, and for the first time in their lives, they they probably can't win with Plan A, and they've never adjusted all season. Right. And guess what happens? There's a pant shitting on their sideline. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what happens usually on Michigan State sideline? They've been adjusting the entire year in and. Hopefully it works out. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's there's yeah. levels to what you just said. Though. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that it'll it'll really be an interesting manifestation of that this this week. Uh, I'll throw something out there that I kind of expect. Mm-hmm. I expect them to try and throw the ball down to Maddie Sissoko and do exactly what you just talked about earlier on that the centers have not done at all this year. And that's try to get Zach Eady any opposing big man, but in this case, Zach Eady, into foul trouble. Yeah. He, had z- he had zero fouls. <laughs> he oh, did yeah. not commit a foul in the and, game last week. And that is, first of all, bad officiating. There's okay. just no chance that that's the case. And B, it's very damning to uh, to Michigan State that 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 he they were not able to draw a single foul on him. So I will not be surprised at all, slash kind of expect, um, whether it's the right basketball decision or not, as a tone-setting measure, Maddie Sissoko to get the ball on the, uh, on the block. I expect that AJ wake-up call to happen where he's going to try to go get to the rim and get Edie in foul trouble. And, you know, when when and that's on offense. On defense, I think they're going to kind of operate the exact same because they know Purdue's not going to change what they do. Nor should they, quite honestly, based on right. the way the last game went. Right. So, 
MSU is really going to have to try and and change things offensively because that's where they can alter things here. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And like you said, you win that game, you look pretty darn good for for March. So another game before that, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's not a small one. All right. So we talked a lot about the roster. <clears throat> we talked a lot about you know the the roster building. But as we and we did talk about that, then there is a freshman class coming in that is not just any freshman class. This is one where all four freshmen were nominated for a McDonald's All-American candidacy, and uh, two were just named McDonald's All-Americans of 24 in the entire country. So Jeremy Fierce and Xavier Booker are McDonald's All-Americans, and that's no small thing. It's the first um, since Max Christie, uh, before him, Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges, Josh Lankford, Deonta Davis. Those are names that have made money, almost all of them, made money at the next level. Josh Lankford with some serious health issues aside. These are guys that are going to make an impact. And having two of them be the top 24 players in the country and one of the most prestigious honors given out in high school prep basketball is not a small thing. So Austin, what do you think of this freshman class? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's impossible to not get excited. I mean, the, the accolades for this class are um, kind of pouring in both on the individual level and on the team level. I mean, MSU's, class i believe is kind of unanimously the number three class behind kentucky and duke uh not bad company despite what they're both playing like this year um and i think that wake-up call i talked about earlier for Izzo is it's it's showing that it registered uh in in how good this class is but but to, to concentrate back on the the you know individual accolades like you said, having two guys that are unanimous, you know, consensus five stars in Fears and Booker and that are both going to be playing in this game is, is huge for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, first and foremost, it's the impact that they can have on next year's team, which I do want to obviously get to. But on top of that, it's it's what this does for the continuation of this program and the stacking of classes. Izzo's not a spring chicken. I know he has a lifelong contract. I don't think he's going anywhere for at least a few more years. But it wouldn't be shocking to hear other teams negatively recruit against that. Like, do you know he's if he's still going to be there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, putting two All-Americans, you know, McDonald's All-Americans on that stage, on TV, repping Michigan State, playing a ton in these games is nothing but good uh, for the program. And what's really, But I think what's really exciting about the class is not just these two, but it's that the other two guys, Garrick Norman and Cohen Carr, are both – I think Cohen is in the top 70 and Norman's somewhere right around 100. So for all intents and purposes, you're talking about four top 100 recruits in the entire country are all coming to play for you. And I think to, to go back, we talked about how the roster this year is the real problem and the way it was put together is the real problem. The silver lining of of all of that is that a lot of those glaring holes that you're seeing are are being filled by guys that will be able to contribute in more appropriate roles next year and then will be supported by these four new faces coming in as true freshmen. I mean, it, again, kind of the 
the good news is that this year, AJ Hogard, Jay Nakins are guys that are playing a ton. Maddie Sissoko is getting a ton of experience. And um, even a guy like Malik Hall could end up coming back. We've seen what he can do. Kohler, Cooper, Holloman all getting exposure provided they continue to grow on the same trajectory that we're accustomed to for Michigan State players, you could be talking about a a really complete roster and um, a really, really exciting group of guys to watch next year where, you know, put it this way, like you said, Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, Max Christie, th- these are the names that fill those same McDonald's All-American shoes and remember what they were like as freshmen. Not super duper stars, not best players in the country or anything like that, but these guys contributed and played big roles on each one of their teams right off the bat. And then, you know, in Miles' case, came back and was an All-American as a sophomore. Um, This influx of talent not only just on a talent basis, but like a where they could fit with this puzzle next year and the holes that they could fill are huge. One area in particular, and then I'm going to pass it to you, John, front court athleticism. Michigan State does not have a lot of that this year. And Hall is not the most athletic guy. And you're seeing when his median athleticism is taken out, you're talking about Cooper's fine, Kohler, not much of an athlete, Hauser, not much of an athlete, mostly defensively is where this shows up. And then you have Maddie Sissoko, who is is a good athlete. You're replacing, like you're adding to that Cohen Carr, who is an absolute freak. Mm-hmm. You're adding in Xavier Booker, who is, again, a super plus athlete, like an NBA type of athlete. You've still got Sissoko. Cooper, I think, is actually kind of a plus athlete, all things considered down there. You've just gone from defensively what do we do to defensively oh that's a that's a lot of arm length and a lot of getting in passing lanes and a lot of those easy baskets that Michigan State gives up to those centers and yeah. forwards and those offenses that they run that other teams run so easily down there those will not be happening the same way in the future so that is probably the thing I'm the most excited about and I'm excited to see Booker kind of go head to head with a lot of these dudes but don't sleep on Jeremy Fears though he's He's he has an it factor, and he's gonna have a year to learn about what it's like to be a leader. Uh, from ideally AJ Hogard, we talked about the one thing. Everyone's got to get better at become good at one thing. Well, is AJ Hogard gonna be become a great leader? Is Jaden Akins going to become a great perimeter defender? Is Pierre Brooks going to become a great off the bench contributor. Is Maddie Sissoko going to become a great defensive rebounder? It's it's is Trey Holloman going to con- continue to be okay with the minutes he's going to be getting next year and not and be great at not turning the ball over when he comes in and runs the point? Is Jackson Kohler going to continue to get better on defense and be great at putting the other teams backup center in the mixer on the block is Carson Cooper going to continue to go from good to great at at using his body and getting uh, used to the speed in the Big Ten if all of those things can happen and then you add in a bunch of guys who are allowed to learn and make mistakes because they're going to make a lot of mistakes yes 
you're you're starting to to put together a really nice roster, and who knows if Malik Hall comes back? Right. Like, and and then you have another leader out there, so you can start to see how it all happens. But it but it starts this year, like we've said earlier in the pod. It's it's is everyone getting better at at something? And um, yeah, that's where it starts. Because if they aren't, then you just have a a bunch of really nice players that. 10 years from now, we'll look back at on sportsreference.com and be like, damn, MSU had a lot of studs there. Seriously. Yeah. No, I I, I fully agree. And I think maybe one of the things that the more succinct way I can put why I'm excited about next year is that those players, I think everybody gets slotted into more reasonable roles with this addition of talent. Like like you said about Carson Cooper or like um, Jackson Kohler. If he's going into backups and putting backups in the mixer, that's exactly where he should be. He shouldn't be playing against starters. So, like, if he can be excellent in that role where he's a better fit, that's amazing. If Carson Cooper can just be five hard fouls and, like, you know, eight tough minutes off the bench and maybe a little bit more in crunch time, amazing. Can Maddie Sissoko just be, you know, a anchor in the center and, like, be surrounded by more athleticism that allows him to really just protect the rim and not have to get out and do more on the perimeter like defenses make him do right now. Amazing. Uh, you know, I just think that there's there's so much opportunity for these guys to carve out more reasonable roles next year. And I, I just to quickly, as we wrap up here, Jeremy Fears is going to put some serious pressure on all of these guards. Um, I think Holloman is the chief among them that that jeremy fears is coming for it man this kid is a i think he is potentially like that next great Izzo guard i mean everything you read about him and, and and watch him play he is he is super athletic he can really shoot he loves to pass the ball and he is a outspoken leader that's the first thing you hear about him more than anything else and to me that's super exciting so hopefully that injection like this injection of youth and energy is going to pressure these you know the guys that are sticking around in the offseason next year to say listen shape up or ship out because we're going to take your jobs unless you want to keep them dude it's, we have a chance so i'm pumped dude have a chance to be great but um yeah there's this year has a chance to be great too because it's so open and up in the air so um why not start a run this week? Hey, let's. What if we went out, John? <laughs> oh boy, here. <laughs> Thanks for sticking. And with, with that, us, buddy. And for and for yeah. excusing my absence last week. Yeah, John was a little under the weather. We lost two games. Did anybody really want to hear from us? Probably not. So <laughs> we just thought it was best to skip. But we're back, and we'll do our, our best to be here. Uh, every week from here on out but as always thanks for sticking with us for john it's been austin we'll catch you next week for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.